0: Chapter 37 of Mabel Ross, the Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 37: The Wolf at the Door. Day upon day of anxious care, not knowing from whence the bread of the morrow was to come, a little lessening of the weight at the heart through getting of some little work, which in turn was to bring some little money the investment of that little money in coal, which, for a time, would keep off the pinching cold, or in bread, which, for a time, would keep off pinching hunger. So sped the days of Mabel and Hilda, each striving in affection to keep up the hope and lessen the burden of the other, both uniting in efforts to relieve the misery of the helpless child, whose hours of pain were rendered more trying through new privations. One morning, Mabel had remained from home longer than she now often did. When she returned, it was with a bundle of linen under her arm. "'Work!' exclaimed Hilda. "'Oh, Mabel! How well that is! Just when we want it more—oh, yes, more than ever!' "'We are not the only ones suffering, Hilda,' Mabel said, as she put off her hat and cloak. "'I have been to Cousin Algin's.' Hilda looked strangely and ran some crooked stitches in a spread she was quilting. "'You never got work from there,' she observed, not raising her eyes from the spread. "'No, I got it from Mrs. Willis. I didn't go to Cousin Algin's for work, but on account of the distress she is in.' This time, Hilda ceased her quilting to look up. "'Yes, Hilda, Cousin Algin is in great grief. Two of her darling little girls are dead.' Liddy and Rose. I met the nursery girl, and she told me, so I went round at once. They died from the effects of scarlet fever. They were taken ill the evening of the day you were there, and Eva and Kate were taken afterward. Eva and Kate are ill now, dangerously ill. Hilda had become deadly pale. She sat staring at her sister, never so much as moving a finger. Her hands spread out on her work, where she had let them fall. Mabel regarded her in surprise. Liddy and Rose were your favorites, Hilda, she said. You thought dear little Rose so like our own Lily. I didn't see cousin Algen, but Ellen, you remember that good girl, says she never saw even a stricken mother suffer as she does. She never leaves the room where poor little Eva and Kate are lying and scarcely moves from their bedside. May God spare these two to her. Poor! Poor Cousin Algin! Hilda gave a convulsive sob, then suddenly rising, fell trembling on her sister's neck. Oh, Mabel, Mabel! She said. It was only a coincidence, surely! Surely it was nothing more! Mabel, say, it was nothing more! I want to hear you say that! What do you mean, Hilda? And Mabel looked anxiously on the agitated face raised to her own. Explain to me, my sister! Mabel! I said such things to Cousin Algin that morning. I told her how God might visit on her, through her children, her wrongs to us. I was excited. I was angry. She seemed so cold and cruel. And now, Mabel, I feel, oh, I fear God has replied to my words in this dreadful, dreadful way. Darling little Rose, sweet little Liddy, dead both dead! Oh, Mabel!' Mabel spoke not a word. She folded her arms closer about the trembling Hilda, and solemnly raised her eyes, looking beyond the confines of that little room to the seat of awful might and justice, where sat the ruler of all. "'Mabel! Mabel! Say something! Say you don't think it was that!' "'God is just, my sister,' Just and all-seeing, he needs not to be reminded. No, Mabel, and yet the feeling is here still. She paused for a moment, then added, Rose and Liddy are gone, but two are left yet. Mabel, let us pray God to leave her these two. Pretty Eva, little baby Kate. Hilda's voice had sunk to a whisper and as she ceased speaking, she dropped on her knees and drew Mabel down beside her. "'The poor little feet are so cold, Hilda. Have you been down again to the first floor? Were Mrs. Moppet at home, I know she would let us have a little coal. I was down three minutes ago, while you were heating up the water, Mabel. Everything is tightly closed as ever.' Little Lily opened her eyes. "'Mrs. Moppet's not come home yet?' she said. "'And her visitor's forgotten us, too.' "'No, darling, not forgotten us.' "'And Mabel assumed a tone of cheerfulness she did not feel. "'You know, we heard she was sick, "'and that's why she's not been again to see us. "'I was only sorry about Mrs. Moppet "'because I wanted to borrow some coal "'to keep a better fire going. "'There's such a bitter night come on.' or what we had would have lasted us better. "'I feel it's cold,' said the poor child in a plaintive tone. "'It's my feet are the worst, Mabel.' Mabel put her hands under the covers and rubbed the little feet briskly, and after a while the child said they were easier. "'They shan't get cold again, Lily dear,' said Hilda, "'for I'll lie quite close and keep them warm.' She threw herself upon the bed, and, clasping Lily's feet under the covers, pressed them closely to her breast. "'There's one thing, Mabel,' she whispered. "'The cold kept the wolf off, you know.' "'Yes,' was the whispered reply, with an uneasy glance at the child, who had again closed her eyes. "'There is mercy in the change. It is little more than six o'clock, to be sure.' but early or late he will scarcely want to be abroad such a night. "'We're clear of him for this time, Mabel. That little money you've been saving for him will go for coal and bread tomorrow. He'd not have taken it anyway, for he refused twice as much last month.' "'But it would have been something to offer him,' replied Mabel, "'and then we could have let him take the carpet for what it is worth.' It's worth the full rent, Mabel, yet no one would give us a dollar for it. He'd not let it stand against a dollar of the rent. But there's one thing I've wondered at your not parting with, either in pawn or to sell. And Hilda turned her eyes to the sewing machine, which stood carefully covered in the corner of the room. The thought of that has been in my mind a hundred times, Hilda. We cannot part with it. To pawn it would be to part with it forever for the merest trifle. We are too poor to redeem anything. Remember the watch. Its sale would but bring us a trifle, too, when compared with the price paid for it, ten, fifteen dollars at most. Then, though out of use at present, it is our stock in trade and an important one. Lily may get better. We may be able to use it. No, Hilda, we cannot part with our sewing machine. Hilda suddenly raised her finger. There was a sound below. It was the street door opening, and it presently closed again, after which all was quiet as before. The sisters had exchanged an anxious glance, but the quiet reassured them. "'It must be Mrs. Moppet's got back,' whispered Hilda, drawing a long breath. "'I think I just heard her door unlocking.' "'You will presently go down and see, Hilda? You think she has coal? "'Oh, I'm quite sure of it. She got in a supply just before I missed her.' A minute or two passed, and Hilda was thinking it about time to make a visit below for the coal, when, without preliminary of any sort, there came a faint rap at the door of the room. Mabel and Hilda started, and exchanged another anxious look, while little Lily reopened her eyes and glanced uneasily from one to the other. It was not at all like the wolf, yet thought of him was apparent in the mind of each. Indeed, Mrs. Moppet, if returned— was disabled through her lameness from mounting the steep stairs. Who then could it be but the house agent? No second rap followed, but the door presently opened and closed again, having given entrance to the quaint little figure of the first-floor visitor. With a warm welcome, Mabel hurried forward and took her hand, while Hilda, from her position at Lily's feet, held out hers, and Lily made an effort to do the same. My good little sister-mother! exclaimed the newcomer, pressing Mabel's hand to her breast. "'You look pleased to see me.' "'I am. We are all pleased,' Mabel replied, returning the pressure of the thin, wasted fingers, more thin and wasted than when she had last held them, as was also the pale face that looked mildly out from the old-fashioned bonnet. "'We have thought of you, and talked of you, and wished you to come to us again.' "'And how is it with the child, sister-mother?' And she drew near the bed and bent over little Lily. The question needed no word of answer. The wasted face and sunken eyes that met the look of the visitor told how it fared with Lily. Gentle and tender as a mother's kiss was the one Lily's good angel pressed on the brow of the little sufferer, and when she raised her head again, Her cheek was moist with tears. Mabel said you hadn't forgotten us, whispered Lily, and the ragman told Hilda you were sick. Yes, darling, I was sick, the visitor replied. Sick almost from the time I first came to you, she added, turning to Mabel. Mrs. Moppet has been with me. She always comes to me when I am not well. I might have left home any time today, but meant to put it off till tomorrow when I'd feel stronger. But this evening I got tidings of the child being worse. Both the child and the sister mother, they told me, were doing ill. So I thought I must come, though it was late and cold. I seemed to feel I must be here this night that no put-off till to-morrow would do. And so, well, and so I came, and Mrs. Moppet came with me. She thought it best for me to stay, but since I must come, she came along. Hilda here gave a questioning glance to Mabel, then explained that they were without coal, and that they had thought of borrowing some from their neighbor below. Their visitor had taken the chair by Lily's pillow, presented by Mabel, and appeared to have subsided into a dreamy state, her eyes fixed on the face of the child, whose hand she held in her own. She didn't seem immediately to gather Hilda's meaning, but presently turned round, and with a hasty glance at the two sisters, passed her hand several times over her brow. "'I'm wrong, so wrong,' she said, with a touch of energy such as they had not yet seen in her. I dream and don't act. You mustn't think me unkind. It's the one thought, you know, always here. Touching her forehead again. The failing babe and its mother. I know it all so well. It doesn't seem to give me time to do what I want, what I've thought of. I came out tonight because something seemed to say to me, The child and its sister-mother were sorely wanting me, yet here I am, and I don't. She got up and walked quite briskly the length of the room, her hand on her brow. Go to her, she then said, stopping suddenly before Hilda. Go to Mrs. Moppet, and she will give you coal. Tell her I bid her let you have it. Get as much as you want. I shall get but little, Hilda replied, with an embarrassed glance at Mabel. Only enough to keep poor little Lily from suffering this cold night. We're very poor. Our last money will go for cold tomorrow, but Mrs. Moppet shall be paid back. Don't think about that, rejoined the little woman rather quickly. You must warm the room. Oh, yes, the poor child is cold. You're all cold. And that mustn't be. You're poor? Yes, to be sure. They told me that, yet I forgot. Something said to me, Go to the child and its sister mother tonight. And I came. She resumed the place she had left beside the bed, and again took the little wasted hand in her own. Lily opened her eyes, murmured something about good angels, and closed them again. Hilda looked at Mabel. A suspicion had been gaining ground with the former concerning their friendly visitor, and she read in the countenance of her sister confirmation of the thought. The little woman was certainly not in her right mind. Hilda then took an old basket from a corner and left the room with it to procure the proposed loan of coal from the first floor lodger. She had not proceeded half way down the stairs, however. Mabel, meanwhile, supplying the languishing fire from the little that remained of their coal, when the house door was heard to open and close violently, so violently that Mabel heard it through the rattling she was making at the stove, and suddenly ceased her labors. As she turned to the door of the room, poor Hilda hurried in again, having hastened back at the first sound of the front door opening. Throwing the basket from her into the corner, the terrified girl, for this coming of the house agent— it could be no other than he when her mind had been relieved of present thought of him had put poor hilda into a paroxysm of alarm caught mabel by the hand and with her hurried to the bedside what is it questioned their visitor looking up in a half-dreamy way who is coming the wolf cried hilda and she threw herself across the feet of little lily This unexpected reply seemed considerably to arouse the visitor. Glancing from the feeble little figure on the bed to Mabel, she said, Tell me what this means. Is it someone you're afraid of? Oh, yes, yes, Mabel replied. It is our cruel landlord, David Brumbley. We haven't the rent for him. He has threatened to turn us out. "'He'll take my bed! He'll put me out in the cold!' shrieked poor little Lily. Meanwhile the shuffling tread of the house-agent could distinctly be heard ascending the stairs, with now and then a smothered oath as he tripped or stumbled in the dark. Having risen from her place by Lily, the visitor whispered some soothing words to the terrified child, and then, with a look of resolution and composure, put out a hand reassuringly to each of the young girls, "'Don't be alarmed, sister mother,' she said. "'Don't be alarmed, my poor girl.' Turning to Hilda, "'I will stand between this man and you, "'between him and the darling babe. "'My head is not very clear for business,' she added, "'passing her hand again over her brow. "'But when I see it must be done,' I can even drive this wolf from your door. He comes now. Stand back, both of you, and let me face him. As she spoke, the door opened, and the ugly countenance and warped form of the house agent appeared on the threshold. End of Chapter 37